Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. This is your Pastor George down in the church office getting ready for a beautiful Sunday morning. I just love sitting down here when the worship team's up there warming up. I just It just blesses me to hear them practice and laugh and have just a wonderful time getting ready to worship God. You know, more than anything else, doing the podcast, is I enjoy this little bit of time that I spend with you before we get into the message. Yes, we're still in in Acts. We're now in chapter 10. The title of the series is called Acts of the Holy Spirit. Today, it's every, every Sunday, I think, has been very interesting. I hope that you've been enjoying this. Today, we're looking at a centurion named Cornelius. The amazing things that God does through him and the things that God does through Peter. Not only does Cornelius receive salvation, but Peter also has a huge change of heart. So stay tuned. It's going to get started here in just a minute. So we are in Acts chapter 10. I can't wait to get in here. Let's just jump right in. Acts 10. Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. I don't know if you have any idea of how astounding those two verses are. It is absolutely astounding. So we have to talk about this centurion. Did I get it right? Thank you. I called him a centron earlier, correct? (laughs) But a centurion. Let's talk about him for a few minutes. He was of the Italian regiment, which was a standard tactical military unit of the Roman Legion. Although the standard size of the time and situation depending, it composed of 480 soldiers. It's also called a cohort, is considered to be the equivalent to a modern military battalion. Cornelius never thought he could become a part of the church. No one in this early community of followers of Jesus would have thought that he could become a full member with the same rights and responsibilities as all the other members of the body of Christ. He was more than just a foreigner, an outsider. He was a foreign soldier, sworn obediently to, uh, uh, to advance the interests of the ruler of the empire, which occupied the land of God's people, had lived for more than a thousand years. That picture doesn't even depict what a centurion really looked like, but they were big, bad dudes who ran military forces. So have you ever known anyone 
Have you ever known anybody that a man or a woman whom you thought could never be saved or even should never be saved? Thank you for the nods. Because yes, we have had those thoughts. There's no way. There's no way the person's done too much. He's, he's too bad. He's, he's filthy. He's disgusting. He does what he does or she does what he does. You ever heard of a guy named David Berkowist? Son of Sam murderers. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Incredible, his story. He doesn't call himself son of Sam anymore. He is the son of hope. Incredibly, the story of David Berkowitz was, had taken a dramatic, unexpected turn in prison. He became a born-again Christian in 1987, having a self-proclaimed spiritual awakening one night. He said he saw Jesus in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in New York. Berkowitz now calls himself the son of hope. He believes he is redeemed, but that his redemption has come with a price. He told me, the writer, that God saved him and that he could provide help and service to others to the best of his ability behind bars. After 20-some years of him serving Christ, and he made such an incredible impact on the, on the counselors and and on the chaplains and all that, he actually got offered a chance for parole. Seven life sentences. And they'd seen such a remarkable change. They said, how much more could this guy do if we let him out? And he stood before the parole board and said, no way. I'm here for life. You gave me seven prison sentences. This is where God has placed me. This is where the work is that I need to do. So don't tell me people can't be saved because they can. They can be. God used Cornelius to show followers of Jesus it mean, what it means to welcome all people who to live in the fullness and the freedom of the life of Christ. Centurions were especially regarded in a place like Caesarea. Caesarea was on the site of what was a dusty little seaport in the Mediterranean Sea. It was given by the emperor to a local governor, Herod the Great, about 30 years before the birth of Jesus. Herod, who built it up as a magnificent city to show off his wealth and power and status in the region. Cornelius was a centron of the Italian cohort posted in Caesarea. You could not get much more Roman than he was. The church at this point was really just a bunch of Jewish people who followed Jesus as disciples, native inhabitants of Palestine. They resented their Roman occupiers. Why? Because they, they controlled them. As Jews, they were prohibited by their own religion from serving as soldiers in the Roman army. But Cornelius was a God-fearer, Luke said. 
This was a strange thing because in the Roman Empire was primarily a polytheistic civilization, which meant that the people recognized and worshipped multiple gods and goddesses. Despite the presence of monotheistic religions within the empire, that was Judaism and now Christianity, these Romans honored multiple deities. Cornelius believed in the one true God, but had never converted or became a Jew because he could not. He prayed to the Jewish God and supported the Jewish people with his wealth and power. Still, according to the rules, he could never be allowed to become a Jew. But one day, Luke tells us in this chapter, the soldier Cornelius, the centurion sorry, of the Italian cohort, was in his home in Caesarea praying to God. And this is where the story begins. Have you ever noticed throughout the Bible, at least in the New Testament, that centurions are always held kind of in a positive light? I think there's a reason for that, because they were so well trained. They were trained, they were, they were loyal, they were devout, they believed in what they were called to do. And you could say, well, yeah, they were trained to do that. But could it be said in our personal convictions and beliefs that we should be trained to in what we believe? Let's look at a couple others of these, a couple others of these centurions. Matthew 8, 5 through 13, if you remember this one. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Verse 7, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Cool, let's go. The centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. Verse 9, I am a man under authority. He's under authority. I have no idea. Yeah, I've been. You, it's gone. Something happened to it. Yeah, there's batteries back there, I believe. But wow, that was an noise. Sorry, podcast people. The whole thing's gone. Okay. I I can speak up. We'll continue on because. You guys can figure it out. The Saturius said in verse 9, he said, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this or do that, and they do it. Verse 10, and Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have, found not, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, in all of God's people. But the sons, verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Okay, while they're fighting with the equipment, let's pay attention to that verse. Did you see that? Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom, who's that? No, the sons of the kingdom is us. It's you. It's you and me. It's believers in Jesus Christ. Think of what he's saying here. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because they're playing the game. They're truly not saved. They're, they're playing the religious thing, thinking they're better than everybody else. No, this Roman centurion cannot be a Christian. He's a Roman. And Jesus was telling him, don't do that. That's a problem. We need to love one another and accept every person. It's profound what Jesus was saying there. Pastor? Yes. It is on. Testing. It's back up. Want me to try using it? Okay. Uh, then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. You have believed, and so let it be done for you. And a servant was healed that very same hour. Then you guys remember in Matthew 27, this, is, this was at Jesus on the cross. So when the centurion and those with him who were gathered, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this is the Son of God. Could one of these centurions been Cornelius? It's very possible. I don't know. But Cornelius was a righteous man who believed in the one true God. And it's amazing how God orchestrates in this chapter. Have you guys ever experienced anything in your life that you go, I just don't know how that come together? Honestly, I don't know how I met Joe. We were on completely two different paths. There's no way. No way. But I believe that God orchestrated it and, and had it happen the way that it was supposed to happen. It, it's just unbelievable. And that's what God's showing us here. His ability. His ability to put two people together that need a real heart change. Jesus shows Peter that all men and all women are welcome to the grace of salvation through Jesus Christ. Everyone. So let's go back to Acts 10.3. About the ninth hour of the day, for those of you who don't know, about three o'clock, which was prayer time. He saw Cornelius clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. What would you do? You're laying there just, you know, you're, you're not, you're, you're just having quiet time, Tony. And someone comes, Tony. I hope that I would say I'm here, Lord. I hope that I wouldn't dive under the table. You know, I don't know. And when he observed, he was afraid. Cornelius, this massive example of a man, was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. God hears your prayers. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
He will tell you what to do. What an interesting thing. He's going to send two guys 35 miles away to go get this guy who doesn't no more want to hang out with a Roman than, than, than any Jew. Why doesn't he just get Philip, the evangelist? We're going to see in, in chapter 20 that Philip, the evangelist, lived right there, probably down the street. Why didn't he just call Philip? We know that Philip, remember Philip was the guy who talked to the eunuch and got him saved and baptized and sent him back to Africa to preach the gospel in Africa. And Philip was right there. I'll tell you why. Philip didn't need a conversion of heart the way, did I say Philip? Yeah, Philip didn't need a conversion of heart the way Peter does. And you're gonna see it. So God says, no, no, I've got a plan. I'm working something together. And when the angel who had spoken to him departed, Cornelius called to his household servants a devout soldier from whom those who waited on him continually. See, he had people, servants that waited on, and it means he's devout. He's obviously someone wanting to be a Christian also, believing in the one true God. Verse 8, so when he explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day... They went on a journey. So this is where Peter's story now begins. The next day they went on a journey and drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Guess what? That's about noon and he was hungry. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. While they made ready, he fell into a trance. You ever been waiting for dinner? You know, where I just, I have been there where I'm so cotton picking hungry, I, I think I'm going to fall into a trance. You know, I'm, I'm going to pass out any minute. Well, this is where Peter was at. He was hungry. And he saw heaven open up and an object like a great sheet bound at all four corners. Imagine there were angels holding this thing, descending to him and let down to earth. Verse 12, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things. I'd imagine there was some lobster in there, you know, creeping around in there. And birds of the air, things that a Jew would never consider to eat. They were all considered unclean. And a voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14, but Peter said, not so, Lord. Now, okay, we've got to remember who Peter is. Okay, you guys remember Peter? You remember some of his, his actions? Lord, we're not going to let you go to Jerusalem and be crucified. No, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Ooh, that hurt. And how about denying Christ three times after being told that he was going to deny Christ? Because he stood there. Not me, Lord. I'll fight to the death with you. No, you're going to deny me three times. And... He did. Peter, the same guy, has the audacity to tell the angel in his dream, not so, Lord, not so, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice said to him again the second time, what God has clean, cleansed you must not call common. And guess how many times this happened? Three times. Oh, Peter, 
Three times. Three times he denied Christ. Three times Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He had to do it again here. And Peter still is not sure what this vision is telling him. And the object was taken up after three times. Now, verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the man sent from Cornelius had made the journey for Simon's house and stood before the gate. What timing, huh? Talk about God's perfect timing. Verse 18, and they call and ask whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about his vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. He just got the word. You're trying to figure this thing out, Peter, and I'm telling you, you, you know, just do what I say, go with them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am, he who you, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Verse 22, they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, has good reputation among the nation of Jews. They're trying to build him up, you know, because they're going to talk him into going. Was divinely instruction by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from him. Verse 23, then he invited them in and lodged them. So he brought them into the tanner's house and, and let them stay the night. The next day, Peter went on their way and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. He wasn't going to go alone. He wasn't sure what he was going to run into at the centurion's house. So he took some people with him. And then the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Cornelius wanted everybody to hear what this guy Peter had to say. Isn't it amazing how God's working this out? As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Verse 26, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. Don't be worshiping me. It's God. Verse 27. And as he talked to him, he went and found many who had come together. So he goes in and starts looking around. There's people everywhere. People everywhere wanting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there are people in your world that are waiting for you to open your mouth and speak to them. They're wanting to hear. They want to know. They want to know if this is real, if it's true. They're scared. They're living in the same world you're living in, only without Christ. Can you imagine that? I can't. It would be crazy. Verse 28, then he said to them, you know, <laughs> listen to Peter, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go to one, another, to one of another nation? But God has shown me that I should not call any man uncommon or unclean. Oh, I think Peter got it. I think he got the message. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then 
For what reason have you sent me? Sent for me. Verse 30. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, verse 31, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered in the sight of God. Verse 32, send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging at the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I went, I sent to you immediately. And you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God has commanded you. What an amazing audience he's got now. And the things you have to understand, people are waiting. Maybe it's someone that you work with. Yeah, okay, they know you're a Christian. But you've never really said anything. Is it possible they're waiting to hear, they're waiting just to hear what you have to say about this God that you worship. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth. That's the first thing. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Oh, Peter, how he changed so quickly from just a few days. I believe that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word of God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 37, he continues. That, that word you know. That word you know, which is proclaimed throughout Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God appointed Jesus of Nazareth, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed from the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he had both in land in, in land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed him hanging on a tree. Verse 40, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to those who, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. To him, all the prophets witness, though through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now pay close attention here. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit just fell upon them. And those who were circumcised, you know who those are, the guys who went with Peter, the Jewish believers, the Jewish Christians that, that had went with Peter. And those who were, those of the circumcision who, 
who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on Gentiles also. This is the first time this has ever happened. That the Gentile nation now has a Holy Spirit falling down upon them. You and me. Unless you're a Jewish by blood, it's this is for you and me. We are Gentiles. And now the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon us. 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. This is the second time that we've heard about this speaking of tongues. Remember the first time in chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in other tongues and languages and we haven't heard much about it. Now here it happens again to the Gentiles. They're speaking in other tongues. That was so that, so that these Jewish Christians would see and believe that God is real, that it's for them too. It's not just for us, it's for all people. So then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. What a revival is happening here. Cornelius, the centurion, is brought into the church. A born-again Christian. And not just him, but all his family. All those people that were in the house, they began to speak in tongues. They, they had a Holy Ghost-filled time. They were changed completely changed and here we are some 2,000 years later still believing that some people can't be saved we need to stop thinking that way we, we need to stop thinking that way I'm not saying that you know if, if David Berkowitz whatever his name was had, had killed your family member that you have to to go uh, you know hang out with him in prison and be his but not at all but in our hearts, we need to forgive and believe that God is in control and he has the ability to save even the soul of that man. We have to believe it. We have to know it. Just the fact that I am standing here before you. I wasn't certainly not a centurion, but I was a sinner. And I'm not proud that I was a good one. But God changed my heart and he turned it around. No other person could. Just like we worry about our kids. <laughs> I have a son just this last week and maybe he'll listen to this podcast. Maybe he'll understand it. Maybe he won't. He said, Dad, I'm going to just grab a, a U-Haul trailer and I'm running to California. I'm going to come stay with you because he's running from the law. How hard do you think it was for me to say, don't come here? Not as a fugitive. Son, buck up, be a man, do your time. You are stupid enough to do whatever the crimes are that, that they've accused you, just do your time. When you get out, I'll fly there, I'll pick you up and I'll bring you home. Happily. But don't come out here a fugitive. It's not going to change running from anything. It's not going to change a thing. Well, it'll be a while before he communicates with me again. 
and it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Because that's nothing more than I wanted to do is to come home. And for me to hold him and minister to him and tell him how much God loves him. And he knows it. And he will return. He will. He's building that testimony. He's building it. It's just too stubborn to understand it yet. Tony, could you come back? <laughs>